Hey everybody, Dan Schinder here with Steven Schinder. Here on Yes Shift with our guest today, Steve Howe. Steve, welcome. How are you? I'm all right, thank you. How are you? Great. We are so excited to talk to you about two things primarily, if only. Mm-hmm. This amazing album, uh, Lunar Mist with Virgil, just such a great album. And of course, we want to give you an opportunity to talk about the Yes Tour. Um, Stephen is putting in the links to where people can purchase the album and also where people can look up your tour and everything. The first yeah. question I have for you is this, Steve. Stephen and I, my Stephen, are, are it's a father-son show, so it's coincidental that this is a father-son project with Virgil that you did. Um, the late, great Virgil, just such a, a magician in the studio, really. And um, Steve and I are both huge fans of Roger Dean. We're actually going to San Francisco to see his exhibit. But I got to tell you, I might be a little more excited about going to see your granddaughter's exhibit because she did the artwork for the album. And we're showing that now for everybody. (laughs) What was that like to bring her into the fold? Well, yeah, that started with Nexus when, you know, we had that uh, image that she did for Nexus. And you know, I think she was only two when she did that. So she keeps saying to us that, oh, I could do a, a new painting for you. But there's something about these very organic, sort of natural, you know, without thinking sort of artwork that she's done for this one. And, uh, you know, as you can see, that that is another kind of very early image from her where she was just sort of like, you know, like children do, they're so free of restrictions and, and inhibitions and things like that that they just... They just draw and paint. It's wonderful. So, yeah, we've been delighted to include yet another one of her <laughs> images. Of course, now she's 10 already, so she's uh, she's kind of like a, a real person and a beautiful person too. So it's uh, it's remarkable that she's already a published artist in her own life. Yeah. I wonder if Roger's getting intimidated. <laughs> yeah, he might be. Yeah, missing out and things. No, he, he's beautiful too, but he knows... You know, we do so much work together that, yeah. uh, you know, when we don't, it's it's another kind of facet, you know. But, of course, Doug and Glenn Gottlieb are, are our go-to people for the sleeve designs besides the artwork. And, and they've been involved in most of my solo career, most of my solo work, CDs, releases, and also, of course, yes. So. Yeah, that's right. And Stephen has the vinyl version, which uh, also has excellent yeah. packaging. It's amazing. Uh, Even comes with a CD and just, yeah, I love the packaging of this. You got the record in here and there's also a nice uh, Virgil picture inside. Yeah, by by, uh, our friend Mike. uh, um, He's been wonderful on that. He's been so kind. Yeah. Yeah. Did a great job. What was the process like with this? album I, I think actually steve can probably articulate he and i were talking about this this concept so i'm gonna let you ask the question steve i think you could articulate it a little bit better okay oh. right uh from what i understand uh, the title track was left over from nexus and it was supposed to be a bonus track so what was the process like of putting together this second album Right. Well, I mean, you know, we didn't, I didn't really know, um, you know, whether we'd have this album. It was really a question of research. So like I kind of briefly explained on on the CD sleeve, um, you know, but basically uh, it was in my mind because Thomas Weber is such a great 
guy, you know, at Inside Out Sony, who's been releasing, you know, Yes and, and also Virgil and I. And, you know, years ago, we were doing lots of solo projects. So basically, he said, well, look, you know, if you do, if you if you get happy with something, we'll obviously see the commitment through. So I didn't know, you know, it took a couple of years of, of uh, grief and remorse and, and regret things. And then I started to look at his music and I thought, well, you know, I, I think I hear it, you know, I think I'm hearing it. But knowing that we had the opening track already, the title track, now we've given it for the album Lunar Mist, that was how we titled just that tune uh, when it was a bonus track that didn't become a bonus, if you like. So it lay there waiting. And the reason I put it first is, is uh, although at first I think I thought I was going to put it last, but I put it first because it's it's a continuation directly of the Nexus project and it has his production, which is much, uh, you know, something I admire very much in, in the way he put his music together as he did with Nexus. He was really, after all, the producer on that one. So the, the production skills that he brought, you know, he just underestimated himself. I think we all underestimated his talent on the keyboards. Just amazing kind of textural and interesting and weird and kind of quirky uh, person. And then his music, which all these piano tunes were really just like a side project in his career, you know, with his bands, you know, Lunatic, Dirty Feel, and his work with you know, other artists, you know, where he was coming along as a producer. So what happened, yeah, in, in, very briefly, was that I, I started to compile sufficient tracks, well, you know, a few more, and then I thought, no, the, the other ones didn't really have the quality I wanted or the style, you know. Right. So I think these ones kind of fit, you know, as best as it can without his beautiful presence uh, to, to give it the final production. You know, I had to take that over myself. So I just kept thinking, you know, Virgil, you know, enjoyed me playing on his uh, piano tunes a lot, you know, really was excited. And, uh, you know, it's real tragic that he didn't, you know, get to see it kind of coming out. But we still went ahead with it because we thought, no, this cannot go down the tube. You know, this right. cannot get lost in, in the world of, you know, problems and hell and high water. So when this album started to get, um, you know, correlated and organized by me, you know, I, I was really got the belief that we were going to get there in the end. And, it, you know, it took a little while and I was doing a lot of fiddling around on guitars and occasional basses and, you know, thoroughly doing things on the music. And there we are. We, 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 we've got Lunar Mist and that's the presentation that we can, you know, like kind of sort of sadly close the book and say, well, really, there's not a lot more that's of this style that Virgil left behind. So we're delighted it's come out and celebrated, you know, even was released on, on what would have been his birthday. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it's really been a labor of love for, for me and Thomas and our family. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. We, we both really love uh, both Lunar Mist and uh, Nexus. It's just Yeah, we did me. a whole episode dedicated to those. Um, and they're, they're just real gems. And you mentioned his production chops. Just a yeah. quick side note, mm. the, the Yes remixes he did floored yeah. me because I, I thought I was getting, I thought I was getting the songs I knew that might have just been mixed differently. And they're really reconstructed, reimagined. Yeah. What, what was that like? Was that a huge surprise or were you kind of peeking in on the project as it was going on? Were you and the other members who had played on that stuff like, what's going on? <laughs> we're just real curious. Virgil started doing some. I think he, I can't remember which track he did first. He did one track and said, well, what do you think, Pat? And I said, well, 
you know, this is unbelievable, you know. Uh, it may have even been the track from um, from Drama, which is one of the high spots on, on it particularly. Yeah. So basically he said, well, what do you think? I said, well, I think you should go ahead. I'll talk to Atlantic about how this could be released. You know, Rhino obviously do the re-releasing. Right. And they were really up for it, you know. And uh, so it became a beautiful thing. He did the rest of them. We went to Abbey Road, uh, you know, EMI Abbey Road to do the mastering because we thought we were all to bring a bit of sonority and, and clarity and, 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 and hunky sound to it, which, uh, you know, because Virgil did it on, on his own laptop kind of thing. But it just shows, you know, his his production style like could weather the, the transitions of the storms. And and uh, so we were really delighted with that. Yeah, it's, it, 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 I, we're always touched by the special people who tuned into it and thought, wow, what is this? Because like you say, it's songs you kind of know, but you don't know them. Yeah, <laughs> and people who were into that style of music could enjoy it, not being familiar with any original track on there. And right. when you look at the fact that he took decades, he took music that spanned decades and made them all sound like the same family members on that one album with his production style. It really is a work of genius. It really is. It's amazing. I thought it was. I thought it was. You know, and I, I'm delighted that, you know, Rhino could hear it too, you know, and, and yeah. they were excited and, you know, they looked after Virgil a bit and, um, you know, they were a great team. So, you know, I thank all the people involved. Speaking of a team, Steve, what was it like working shoulder to shoulder with him in the studio? And was it always shoulder to shoulder or were there times when he'd say, I just, I, I need some space. Let me do my thing here in the magic hat. Was he always producing you? What was the relationship like, the working okay. relationship? Well, obviously, you know, he initiated, you know, the, the fundamental keyboard track. You know, we're talking about Nexus, it, it's kind of easier because basically I selected the tracks and then he said, okay, uh, 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 yeah, I'm all happy with those. So I played guitars on them. And as I started doing the guitars, of course, he said to me, do you know I've got other stuff on this? And I said, what do you mean, more than a piano? Because I was really just working with a piano guitar duet concert. Oh, how funny. <laughs> then he said, yeah, but I've got other stuff going on behind that. I haven't, you, you haven't heard it. So when I heard that, I thought, oh, no. We're we're rocking. This this is going to be wonderful because it you know it didn't just rest on you know a uh, one keyboard and the guitar kind of thing. It was a whole textured sound. Well, that's when his production really came to the fore, you know, and the little noodling things he does and the spacey things he does and yeah. and like the way that like for instance uh, Lunar Mist, which as I said we can talk about in the same breath because it was part of Lexus Nexus, but basically it's amazing how that track when I hear it now. Uh, well, what I did was I played Luna Miss recently, you know, as one does when you've done an album. You let a little time go by and you play it back. And then I played this and I went, oh, my God, I've got to listen to Nexus now. So I put Nexus on. I went, oh, my God, <laughs> this is phenomenal, you know, because his um, his uh, production, you know, scanned the whole thing. And, yeah, I mean, the way ne I was going to mention, the way Nexus starts, it starts with me playing a Koto, you know. Ding. Yeah. Zing, you know, and it kind of drifts in, and uh, basically, it's another world. You know, I can't, I can't reproduce, I can't fake, I can't copy what Virgil does. You know, being a guitarist, obviously, I mean, I play a bit of keys and all that, but basically, I'm a guitarist. I see things, you know, with a guitar perspective. But no, it, it was really remarkable, and and, and I, w I would have loved, you know, him to have a greater influence on on the the whole project. But of course, he's 
you know, sadly we lost him and we, 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 you know, I had to fill in the gap, if you like. It was, it was big shoes to fill in, especially when I realised that Nexus had, um, had so much of his production style. It was almost level with his keyboard playing, you know, and his drumming. So, you know, it, it's been an eye-opener to me to have gone through the process of trying to develop uh, this album um, to be a complete, you know, work from from Virgil. And like the diff, one of the main differences on this one is because he was, you know, he wasn't around for me to collaborate in some of the ways I did on Nexus. You know, the songwriting, much you know, the tune writing, much more goes to him because a lot more of it was going to be unaltered and I would only add stuff. There were just a couple of tracks where I had to develop, you know, maybe more of a front, more of a top line. So I split those songs. So this one's even more like of his writing, because as I said, Nexus had a kind of much more of a, a pure collaborative sense with me actually being able to get in there. And, yeah. And, or durations, but I must say he he always came up with the end thing, you know. On Nexus, he very much like, okay, Dad, what do you think about this? And I go, oh, <laughs> oh, I like this, you know. So I would throw my guitars on. He would mess, and he would come up. He talked to me. Oh, I, that bit's nice, uh, uh, you know. But can I leave this bit out? I said, yeah, just leave that bit out, and then come in here. So, but this time I had to be the whole process. So it was a responsibility that that I did with all the love we've got for him. Yeah, very interesting. Thanks for sharing all that. And folks, we all know if you have kids, we know it's easy for us parents to dote on our kids and. All of that, yeah. but I, I want to step in here. I know Steve could speak up too. It truly is a work of genius. It's everything that Steve Howe is saying and more. Yeah. Really is amazing what what he did. And again, I got to throw in that third album as well, the Yes Remixes of two thousand three. You folks mm -hmm. got to get out and get that. Very cool. Yeah. Let's talk about this. You're you're on a tour with your your. There's you're in a band or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. we got the shirts. We had to geek out and wear our shirts. Yeah. Well, that's very nice. Well, yeah. I mean, this we're we're in this uh, second day of rehearsal today, and uh, we got a, a warm up show tomorrow. So basically, uh, way back in the in the seventies, yes, started coming to Lidditch, Pennsylvania, which is near Lancaster. And basically, over the years, Roy Clare, who's a sound you know company, uh, Clare Brothers. And uh, Tate, who's Mickey Tate, our old associate, yeah. right from the very, I mean, he was in, he was with the band when I joined in 1970. So basically, along the way, Mickey said, I'm not just going to do yes, you know, you don't go out enough, I can do more stages. We said, well, no, we don't want to lose you. He said, no, I'll always do yes. So out of this little place here called Lidditz, which is near Lancaster, to say people, grew a kind of rock empire between Claire and Tate, you yeah. know, staking, lighting, you know, PA, yeah. house that stuff so we, we love to be here but over the last few years they've developed a much more uh, market and a beautiful place so i'm staying at one of one of the best hotels in america is called rock Lidditz, and the best rehearsal rooms are you know where we are now mickey's black box is mickey tate's venue he's got a 300 seater so we're in there doing our rehearsal uh, we've got about 28 shows we go east west and back to the east coast and uh, finish on the 21st of November. So we're excited to get back. It's been three years, you know, we haven't toured, you know, because of you know what. And basically we've, we're, we're kind of, we're up and running because we've been around the UK and Japan already this year, but that's all we've done. We've done about 16 shows. So tomorrow we do a warm up show in, in Mickey's Black Box. 
And then we just head out on tour. You know, we'll be in Philadelphia the next day and doing two nights at the Keswick. And basically, we're we're here to play. You know, we we've missed it too. Uh, and I'm just kind of setting my tempo, my you know how I build up to doing 28 shows as opposed to you know, the 16 we've just done. Right. Uh, we want to feel that out and, and give give the folks, the fans, a, a, a good show. And basically, we're celebrating like your T-shirt comes from, you know, yep. the, the 50 whole years of this creation. But, you know, I want to make a public announcement here that in those 50 years, yes, I've never played the song Close to the Edge quite right, because near the end, yeah. there was a key change, yeah. right? And we did that in like 1973 or something. John John Anderson said, I, I can't sing that in that key at the end. It's way too hard. I don't know what I was thinking. So we did a... Ghastly key change. I mean, ju, 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 you know. all these years, yeah, all these years. I, I always hated it, but I mean, really? I got you. <laughs> it was the live version. So even when John Davison came in and I said to John, you know, I'd still like to do the ending in the right key. He said, no, no, I couldn't sing it there either. But this year we tackled it in some other ways, you know. And I said that you know my, my harmony keeps rising, so maybe that's going to give the impression of us, you know, when we go to this correct key. So bless the guys for going with it, and we gave it a try, and we've been doing that all year. So this is the first year we've ever played Close to the Edge, exactly like the original record. And I think the key that we end on now is is heaven you see it's all very well yes saying we can't we can't do it in that key let's change it but you know there is a i mean imagine da, 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 right you know, <laughs> it was, I, I, it's I, a different composition get me out of here and that's kind of what we did to close to the edge we got we got near the peak near near the climax and we went da, 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 da. You know, I, 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 it was never right. It was never once right, and it's the same on all the live albums, all the all the yes songs, all the revisits of that. It's all wrong. But <laughs> let me tell you, it's right now, and That's it's never awesome. right wrong again. So, did you? I have to ask this: every tour, every tour, when you sit down and you make the set list, when whoever said close to the edge, did you always say? How are we going to do the end? Like, did it come up in conversation or was it okay? That's like, this house, we're doing it. And you didn't like it. Well, yeah, I mean, for years and years, it was never questioned again because it was deemed impossible. You know, I mean, it's mm. too high. Do you get it, Steve? It's too high, you know. So I had to kind of just leave it. But, you know, as, you know, after all, in 2008, you know, Chris Allen and I kind of got Yes going, you know, with Benoit David and Oliver Waitman. Yeah, and yeah. that's when we might have said, well, look, you know, can we do this? And Benoit went, must have gone, no way. I mean, that is like, that's for the angels to sing. You know, wow. that's for the choir boy to sing. So, but it, yeah. It, I'm sorry, I was going to say, if you do a live album and DVD from this tour, perhaps call it Key to a New Ascension. <laughs> yeah, I, get I get where you're going yeah i mean it, it, it is remarkable that a band like yes would have done something so epic after all the the clout uh that's a word we use in england the the, the power the weight yeah. of close to the edge as a as a piece of music is one of the most respected prog epics of, of oh of, yeah of all time and yeah. yet we've had this gremlin 
near the end. Well, when we get there now, it's sumptuous, you know. We we because Billy and and uh, John and myself all all seeing that this this transition that was wrong. Yeah. And we sing it, and it, boy, does it sound wonderful! Uh, wow, I can't wait to hear it. When you recorded it, what would have gone through your mind if someone walked in and said to you privately? When you're in your 70s, you're still going to be performing this song. What what would have gone through your mind? What goes through your mind now when you think of that? Well, let's zip back there, you know, in that era. And even when I left, yes, after the drama album, which was 1981, when January we met yeah. and couldn't seem to work out how to carry on properly. Uh, even that time, I had no idea. Let me tell you, no idea I'd be back with Yes, because when Asia got formed and then GTR got yeah. formed, you know, I was heading like, okay, you never look back, you know, you never go there. But when ABWH got formed, now that was a missed opportunity because that band should have stayed together. It should never have won yes again. Because in fact, we had something a little different about us. We could play yes. Uh, you know, sadly we didn't have Chris, but that was, you know, that right. there were reasons why that couldn't be. And and yet we couldn't quite kind of uh, you know, tie it all together, you know, to to um to you know to carry on after the union it was the union the union album and kind union. of ruined it yeah the abwh was clearly its own music you know clearly yeah well i want to remind well i mean i i want to I, I, the moment in abwh's career that was formed the biggest impression is one night in um the spectrum which is no longer there i think it's a right. venue in philadelphia we played, we went on there and played. I think we might have even had a couple of nights and we played in You and I. And at the end, there was a standing ovation. And wow. 10 minutes later, I'm still standing there going, well, what are we going to do? <laughs> still clapping. And so we must have done a version that night. With That was when Tony Levin was on bass too, before right. he got sick and, and Jeff Berlin took over very proudly to finish up the tour for Tony. Yeah, I saw but, you with Jeff, yeah. Yeah, well, I tell you, with Tony, it was something else again. So that night in, in at the Spectrum was one night, and nobody could ever take it away. I was confused. I was like walking off to the side of the stage thinking, well, hang on, we've got another song to play. Oh, God, let's go back out. And we're like, yeah, thanks very much. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, we got a lot of love. So, like, like I said, going back to bands has become a normality. You know, it's become a reformation. Like, like there's masses of reformations of bands, and, and I'm really pleased about it because, you know, dare you ever say never? You know, right? I'm never going back. You know, like you know, like the Eagles did with you know, hell freezing over and all that stuff. You can see that. There is tremendous value. I mean, I don't like the bands that come back and say, we're doing one more tour, and then they do three more tours. <laughs> I think if you're going to quit, let's quit and call it a day, you know. And obviously the Beatles did that, and some of the biggest bands did that. I mean, Led Zeppelin popped back for a little bit. But, you know, basically there, there might be a time when a band is over because they really don't want to do it. But the amazing thing about Yes is there's always been enough people who want to carry on to to make it work and now we've got a a, a very a, a lineup with a immense vitality and uh, possibilities and that's what that's why we brought out the quest because we wanted to show 
our audience that that we were alive and kicking. We weren't just a retro band that would go out and play close to the edge with the wrong ending. Yeah, you know, like like everybody would have done if we hadn't thought deeper about it. So yeah, we're very proud to 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 have carried on this great tradition. That you know, other great musicians were a very very big part of it. But now it's it's in our hands to to kind of find out how to make that go forwards. Yeah, two really quick things out of respect for your time before we go. One, Steve, my son, hit me over the head the other day with the fact that the Quest is a year old already? Where does the time go, Steve? Where does the time go? So we're curious. You don't have to spoil the set, but we're curious if some of that's going to live on through this tour, perhaps another tour. Um, And then the other thing is someone we interviewed last night said to say hello, and that's another partner of crime of yours and that's annie haslam had wonderful things to say about all the work you've done together and so did we the version of um turn of the century that's the only song i've ever heard in my life that makes me tear up and then when i heard your version with annie it's it's borderline better than the original version it is so good folks you've got to check that out so she says hello and thanks for that and the tribute you did playing some of that for alan the other day was just wonderful as well because we know he was a co-founder it's a very special song. It, it, it took a hell of a lot of work. I mean, some songs just take more, you know, like there was a couple of songs on the quest, which really took a lot of work. We kept going back and forwards and we're not quite there yet. Maybe we should take this out, put that in. Uh, but when Annie and I did uh, Turn the Century, which was an idea from a label, which I don't often kind of jump on board with, you know, oh, they want me to do it, oh, I'll do it. But at the time I thought, yeah, I'd love to work with Annie. Uh, uh, and that was a beautiful way, and, and his uh, and, and her keyboard player, um, Bigland. Uh, so he he was a great help too. But that was a nice little project. And Annie may have said, you know, we did other recordings, and a couple might eventually creep out on on some some you know a collaborative uh, retrospective. But um, yeah, that was a, that was a really good time. That's a really good time. I've got five minutes more if you if you want just another soap, or if you haven't got anything. Okay. We'll... Yeah, that would be. Oh, we could talk for hours. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> when you said just something, I want to mention. I'm going to mention something. Then I'd like Steve to read you a bunch of comments. People are chiming in. Um, you mentioned you know the songs often can take a lot of work. I've always literally cracked up, laughed out loud when sometimes I hear these re issues of albums that have a bonus track that has like a wake and run through revealing yeah. science of God. And sometimes I listen, I go, how the f- did they ever get to the version we ended up hearing? Because he started out It's it's so interesting to me, but that of course is part of the, not only the creative process, but when you're doing it by committee where there's a few people involved that can reshape well, itself. Also, you have to get the song up and running somehow. Right. You may pick the right style or the right arrangement straight away. And some of those, uh, you know, some of the other version, B versions, <laughs> they're, they're, they're pretty outrageously weird and, and strange because of where we did. But that proves one very important thing about Yes, and I think that's the same still is that you you get your song to a level but when you get in the studio that level has got to go up and up you know it's got to climb it's got to go from being yeah to being wow you know it's got to go from 
being like sorted to being perfected as far as you can take perfection, which isn't 100%, but you can take it as far as you can go. And you got to keep it from becoming a forever project that, you know, that too. Exactly. And that's what being, that's what producers do. And that's what I do. uh, And that's what I do with my projects. And now with Yes, it's I'm a kind of guider of saying, okay, this isn't there yet. You know, we've got to do. And then it's there, you know, and and I think it's there. And, uh, and the other guys chime in and say, Oh, yeah, we've got this one now. You know, it's a wonderful thing. Because collaboration is everything that Yes is, you know, this is never going to be a band that's got like you know one guy leading it because yeah. it's got to be a collaboration even though i've got a lot of responsibilities and i love them because i'm i'm not bad at doing production stuff and okay. and playing it away but basically it's still about finding the best of the band the best of john and and all the guys yeah awesome so steve's gonna pick just a few comments to read real quickly oh. Then we'll say goodbye to the audience. And Steve, if you could stay on with us for just like a minute or two afterwards to ask you something, that would be great. We'll be real quick. All right, Steve, what do you got? Pick a few good ones. Oh, they're all good. You know what I mean? Right. I see that. Uh, Chris Wright says, hello, gentlemen from here in the UK. I'm a big fan of Steve's Time album. Given, Given the cost and complexity of playing with an orchestra, does he ever see a possibility of a one off uh, Steve Howe plus strings slash full orchestra concert, perhaps a one off in London? Um, So, yeah, is that a possibility, Mr. Howe? Yeah, I mean, the concerts are more, I was hoping you were going to say more records like that. But yeah, concerts take a, a lot more rehearsal. And that's one of the things, great things that great orchestras can do. I'd like to just pop back to the time project because, you know, there's a composition on there that Virgil plays on that uh, he wrote. Uh, and uh, that's one of the tracks. I, I, I've got the title, it might just come to me in time. Um, it's one of those endearing uh, spirit, um, spirit, uh, oh, yeah. um, what's it called now? Uh, Ingrid Spirits or something like yeah. It's got that kind of a title anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, orchestral live concerts really take the kind of, I mean, the kind of rehearsal yes does is one thing, but you know, t- to be the soloist in with an orchestra means you've got to play. So yeah, I mean, I'd like to play, but you know, uh, 140, but you know, the, the, the memory process of learning that properly, uh, obviously it's easier in the studio and you can make, you know, you can do the learning while you're playing it. Let's rush on to another one, but thanks. Yeah. Thanks guys for that one. And to give one more Steve. Yeah, uh, Dean Paulos says, Rock's greatest guitarist, so many brilliant moments. Oh, that's kind of awesome. (laughs) Mr. Hal, thank you again so much for joining us. Please stay on with us for just a moment after we wave goodbye to the audience. And folks, thank you so much for following us on Yes Shift. And if you're a Drum Talk TV fan and watching us there, thank you so much. Tons of Bill Bruford and Alan White and Jay Shellen fans out there and Yes fans. So we wanted to make sure that we showed it to our audience over there. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. You've been wonderful. Thanks so much.